Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. 2 Timothy chapter 3, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men shall become lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breaker, false accusers, incontinence, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, high-minded, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, the Bible say, turn away. In other words, do not accompany, do not accompany with this kind of people. He said, for these sorts are they which creep into houses. And lead captive silly women laden with sin, led them away, were led with divers lost, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That the Lord, the Lord Almighty is giving us a picture of what we see in the last days. The word of God is saying to us that this is what you are going to see in the last days. That in the last days, there's going to be a lot of terrible time. There will be perilous time. He said, men will become very, very wicked. Evil men will work stronger and stronger. They will become more courageous. They will become, they will become more covetous. They will become boasters. They will become proud. They will become blasphemous. The Bible says that they will become false accusers. They will be fierce and they will despise all that is good. The Bible goes on to tell us that they will become very high-minded. They will be traitors. They will be people who love pleasure more than they love the Almighty God. And the picture that the Lord Almighty is painting for us is that that is what you are going to see as the, as, the, as the days is coming to an end. As the age is coming to a close and Jesus Christ is coming to take his people home, he said, this is what you are going to see. And the Holy Spirit is painting this picture for us through, the prophet, through, through Paul the Apostle. And as you know, Many of us don't need a prophet to tell us that we're living in that time. You don't need a prophet to tell you that. Many of us don't need to tell to, you don't need a prophet to tell us how aggressive the enemy is in the way he's pursuing and destroying lives. You can see from the people who are hooked on drugs. You can see from the way people have been terrorized. You can see the things that are going on in our society and in our culture and in our world right now. We don't need a prophet to tell you that you are living in the last days. Because of the violent aggression of the enemy. Because of the rage of the host of hell. Because of the things that the Bible has referred to as the, as the perilous times in the end time. And that's why the Bible tells us, if you read the book of First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, reading from verse number 8, the Bible tells us. He said, because you are living in the last days. Because things are getting terrible. He said, therefore be sober and be vigilant. Be sober and be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, the guy responsible for all the terrible things that you are seeing in the last day. He said, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, as the days is coming to an end, as things become more dangerous, as evil men become more evil in their evil enterprise, as evil is becoming more widespread, the Bible is saying, make sure that you are sober. In other words, don't just do things anyhow. Have control of your mental faculties. 
have control of your senses. He said, be sober. Not only that, be vigilant. In other words, don't sleep. Don't become so doped up that you don't even understand what's going on around you. He said, be sober and be vigilant. And the question is, why is the Spirit of the Almighty God giving, this, giving us this condition, uh, this, uh, this command? Why is the Spirit of the Lord Almighty God telling us to be sober and to be vigilant? The reason the Spirit is telling you is because, number one, of the multiplication of evil. Evil is going to multiply. Men are going, evil men are going to become more stronger and more stronger. In other words, you will find that evil will be trumping good everywhere you go. That is why you need to be sober and be vigilant. Number two, the Lord is telling us to be sober and be vigilant because there will be an increased aggression of hell. In other words, it's not only that these people are wicked. They don't even like the fact that you are good. They don't like the fact that you are living a lawful life. They will not only be happy in staying in their corner, they want to take your own corner. The Bible says be sober and be vigilant because there will be an increased aggression of hell. Number three, because there will be increased captivity of men. In other words, men will be hooked on all sorts of things. Now there's increase in violence. There's increase in drug abuse. Now people are promoting marijuana as if it's just like a cigarette. They are promoting all sorts of things. The Lord is saying be sober and be vigilant because there will be increased captivity of men. And because of this increased captivity, you need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. You cannot live carelessly. You cannot live carelessly. And the question is, why is the enemy increasing his aggression? Why is the enemy becoming more aggressive? Why is this... A why has he put a high or you know a higher uh, put his operation on a high alert? Why does the enemy want to be able to take more people in captivity? I want you to look at Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. If you read from verse number 12, the Bible says, therefore, it says, in heaven rejoice. Why? Because the devil has been casted out of heaven. He said, Heavens therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But look at what he said to the earth. He said, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Why? And the seas, the inhabitants of the earth, of the earth and the sea. Why? For the devil has come down to you, having a great wrath. Why? Because he knows that his time is short. In other words, the guy is so pissed off right now. He wants to take as many people as possible. He wants to enslave as many people because his time is short. In other words, evil is multiplying. Satan is getting more vicious. His, uh, his, uh, his agents are becoming more aggressive because the devil knows that he is running out of time. Christ is going to come back very, very soon. And the guy knows that. Which means that Satan and his agents will do whatever it takes to be able to take people and put them in captivity. He's willing to do whatever it takes to be able to put people in bondage, in sickness, and put them in all sorts of things that they will not be able to get away from. Because Satan knows his time is running out, he's willing to enslave and to put people in bound. The issue here this morning is not if Satan will come after you. Our brother said it during the time of our class class. You can't say, David, Satan, leave me alone. No, I go. No, if you do that, you are wasting your time. You're just becoming the chewing stick in his mouth. Because the devil does not give a crap whether you leave him alone or not. The devil is interested in only one thing. That's what the Bible, that's what the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 10, verse 10. He said the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It doesn't matter whether you are in, whether you want to fight him or not. He will take it. The only language the enemy understands is the language of violence. And that violence comes through by spiritual violence. But that's the story for another day. The issue here this morning is not if Satan is going to come after you because he will. The question is, if you are going, the question is, are you going to allow the enemy to, you know, to, to make you a prey in his camp? 
Are you going to allow yourself to become a prey in the hand of the enemy? Are you going to allow the roaring lion to devour you, to devour your family, to devour your husband, your child, your children, your, your career, your finances, everything that belongs to you? Are you going to allow the enemy to do it? That is the question this morning. And for many who are sitting down here right now, I know the answer in your heart is no, I don't want that to happen. Okay? I don't want the enemy to take me to captivity. I don't want the enemy to take my son or my daughter or my wife or my husband into captivity. I'm sure you don't want your children to be a prey to believing in captivity or in bondage. Nobody wants that. But the question is not whether you want it. The question is what are you going to do when the enemy comes to be able to come after you? What are you going to do so that you and your family do not become a prey in the hands of the devil? That is the question this morning. What are you going to do so that the enemy's hands is not all over your life? How do you make sure that you don't end up, you know, a chewing stick in the mouth of the devil? How do you make sure? You see, my brothers and sisters, for many of us, you know, for many of us, we are falling into the, 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 the hand of the enemy is operation in our life. For us not to fall into the hands of the evil men. For us not to be taken captivity. For us not to be taken into captivity, I mean. For us and our families to not to be wasted in this dangerous time. You must be connected to what we're celebrating this morning. You must be connected to the power that is able to deliver from slavery. You must be connected to the power that frustrates the powers of the enemy. You must be connected to the power that puts to shame the devil and all his agents. For you not to be wasted, you have to be connected to the resurrection power. And the question is why? Why must you be connected to that power? Why must you have that particular association with the Almighty God? I tell you one thing, the reason number one is because of what I call the hierarchy of power. Okay? The hierarchy of power. One thing I can assure you is this. When two powers collide, the lesser one will always give way. When two powers collide, the lesser one will give way. And if you are not aligned with the bigger power, you are going to be whooped. It's as simple as that. If myself and Joshua right now are to go into battle, and there are some people who support Joshua and some people support me, I can tie my right hand at the back like this and just point Joshua on my left hand because I know I'm going to win. Number one, I'm bigger eh? and I'm stronger. Okay? So the idea is that there is no, there is a hierarchy of power, and the power that is the greater power always defeats the lesser power. The lesser power always bows when the greater power is in operation, and that is why you need to connect with the greater power. Number two, why must you be connected to the power that is greater than the power of the enemy? Is what I refer to as the inequalities of power. All powers are not equal. God's power, which raised the dead, or which raised the body of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, is the ultimate power. And if you understand the inequality of power, you do not want to align with the power that will not do anything for you. Number three, why do you need to be connected to the power of the Almighty God? You need to be connected to the power of the Almighty God because of what I refer to as the efficacy of power. That is what the power promises to do. There are powers that promise to do X, Y, Z, but they cannot deliver. There are powers that promise to deliver, but they cannot truly deliver. And that is why the world, that's what we see in the book of First Kings. The Bible makes us to understand that there was a conflict between the powers of Baal and the powers of God. And Elijah told the prophet of Baal, he said, call upon your God. And they did, but their God never answered. But he called upon the name of the Almighty God and he popularized the fact that the God that answered by fire... Let him be my God. There is a efficacy of power. Can the power that you trust upon, can it deliver? I remember when we were growing up, we used to say something. That in order for you to survive, you need three things. You need money, 
you need Umbo or you need God. Okay? If you have money, you can buy the marabu or you can buy the pastor so that he can continue to pray for you. Okay? If you don't have money and you have the marabu, the guy can continue to service your goods for you. But if you don't have money, you don't have marabu, and you don't have God, you are in serious, serious trouble. Okay? That is why you need to be able to go with the power that has all the, that the power that is able to meet all power, that is able to meet all need. The efficacy of power, that is why you need it. I want you to know that to survive in these last days, you need to connect with that ultimate power. You need to be able to connect with the power that is able to deliver. And I will give you an example. The Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 7. John chapter 7 reading from verse number 1. The Bible says that in all these things, after all this thing, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea. Why? Because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, I don't want to go through the whole story of the, you know, of how they captured and everything, but you know the story. The Jewish leaders did not like Jesus. Okay? They hated the guys, you know, they hated, they just hated him. They would rather have Jesus be quiet or just go away. But the problem was that Jesus was not going anywhere. And Jesus was not going to be quiet. And the Jewish leader were determined to kill Jesus. So in their attempt, what did they do? They conspired together to be able to connive with anybody who is willing to collaborate with them. And the Bible makes us to understand that, that they wanted to silence Jesus so much that they sought for help from every direction. And they were able to lie. They were willing to lie about it. The Bible makes us to understand that because of the power that the high priest had, he had the power to be able to arrest and to try Jesus in a kangaroo court. Because of the powers that the Romans had, they were able to offer a decree to have him to have him crucified. Because of the power of Satan, Satan was able to kill him and put him in the, and put him in the grave. But the interesting is this. They all thought that they won. They all thought that they've had the victory. Because they have killed the physical body. And they took that body and they sealed it in the tomb. But the Bible makes us to understand that they could have succeeded Except for one thing. One calculation that they did not put into place was the calculation that Jesus Christ was connected to a power that was greater than their own power. Jesus Christ was connected to the power that is beyond the power of arrest, that is beyond the power of a trial, that is beyond the power of a crucifixion, that is beyond the power of the grave. Jesus was connected to the power of the resurrection. And the Bible tells us that the death could not even keep him in the grave, that the grave could not hold him. The Bible says on the third day, the eight, the tomb was filled with the power of the resurrection of the Almighty God. And that cold body that was in the grave, the Bible said that the fire of heaven followed upon that particular body and they rose again and it rose again. And how did that happen? He came back to life. The reason he came back to life was because he was connected to the power that cannot be challenged. He was connected to the power of the resurrection. And you know the interesting thing? The Bible tells us that that same power walks inside of your life. That same power is deposited inside of you. The same power of the resurrection that put the enemy to shame. That same power that disgraced Pharaoh, that disgraced the, 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 the high priest, that disgraced Pilate and made the soldiers to fall down flat. He said that same power is alive inside of you. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 tells us, But if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He said, He that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwells inside of you. So the spirit of God, that power of the Almighty God that cannot be challenged, he said, That power is inside of you. Ephesians chapter 3 now tells us, He said, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that dwells inside of you, the power that works inside of you. Which means that they, which is that because of the power, because of the power that raised up Jesus, the devil can no longer hold you captive. That's what it means. It means that because of the power that raised up our Lord Jesus Christ, his agents can no longer put a limitation to your progress. Because of the power that raised up our Lord Jesus Christ, that raised up our Lord Jesus Christ, hell can no longer stop his agenda, stop the agenda of God for your life, for your family, and for your children. Because of the power that raised the Lord Jesus Christ, hell can no longer stop what God has purposed to do in your life and in your family. Amen. At this point, somebody should be clapping and saying hallelujah. Because I know that the power of the Almighty God, the power of the resurrection, it gives you the victory. Yes. It gives you that ability to be able to walk with boldness. It gives you the assurance that the enemy cannot do anything. It gives you that particular boldness where you can shout and know when the whole world is in confusion, you know that your Redeemer lives and it gives you boldness to walk across. That's what the power of the resurrection does for you. The unfortunate thing is this. There are many lives in the church that the devil is actively holding captive. His agent is limiting and aborting their potentials. He appears to be stopping the plan of God in the lives of many people. And the question is why? Why is the enemy able to frustrate the power that raised the Lord Jesus Christ up in our lives? Why is it that the enemy, why is it that the same power that dwells in us is not operational? It's not being evident as we see it every day. Why is it that the same power that raised Jesus Christ is not being experienced in our lives on a daily basis? Why? Let me suggest to you. But the reason why we do not see the power of the Almighty God manifesting in the life of His people, the reason why we do not see the power manifested in the church, is simply because, number one, of the presence of sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Because of the presence of sin, the power of God is not manifested. Number two, because of the power of sin, the power, the, the power of God is not manifested. And number three, because of the bondage of the people of God to sin, the power of God is not manifested. The Bible said, let us de- let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should not be able to obey it thereof. As long as you are in bondage to sin, as long as there's a presence of sin, as long as the power of sin is operating in your life, the glory of the Almighty God, the power of the Word of God, the power of the resurrection will not be seen. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 1, if you read from verse number 21, the Bible tells us there, it says, and she shall bring forth a son, Jesus Christ, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. In other words, God wants you to be able to enjoy the power that he has made available. He wants you to be able to walk in that ability. But you cannot walk unless you get rid of the sin. And the only way you can get rid of the sin, because in your own power you cannot do it. He gave you the Lord Jesus Christ. So that he can save us from our sins. And the question is, how did he do it? How did he do it? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verse number 21, the Bible says, For he made him, he means for God made Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. In other words, God took Jesus Christ and put all your problems upon his life so that you will be free from that particular problem. That's what he did for us. 
So for you to experience the power of the resurrection, Jesus Christ has already done it. For us to be able to see the power of the resurrection activated in our life, you must get rid of sin. Sin must be eliminated. Okay? Sin must be eliminated. And you must, you know, you must eliminate sin. The reason is because sin gives Satan the power to be able to afflict. Give you a practical example. It will be very difficult for somebody who does not smoke to have the cancer of the lung and eh, to have problem with smoking. Very difficult. I'm not saying you cannot get it from secondhand smoking, but it's going to be very difficult. It is very, very difficult for you to begin to get afflicted by the things that you are not even, that is, that, that you are not engaged in. It is very difficult for you to fall into a temptation of stealing money where you don't even know where money is kept in your house or kept in your bank or kept in your place of work. There are certain things that you will not be able to fall to unless you are exposed to it. And the Lord is saying that when you eliminate sin, the power of sin, you know, the, the sin is the one that gives Satan the power to do whatever is what, whatever he wants to do. And as soon as you eliminate it, you eliminate that particular power. Once you eliminate sin, the power of Satan to bind, the power of Satan to oppress, the power of Satan to repress is broken over your life and the power of the resurrection is released. It's as simple as that. Once you get rid of certain things, it's just like somebody who wants to pay off the credit card. You keep buying all those crazy, crazy things. The day you stop buying those crazy things and you start working and you start saving your money, before you know what's happening, you become Dave Ramsey. Anyway, most of us don't know who Dave Ramsey is. We'll leave it alone. But you become Dave Ramsey. So once you eliminate sin, once you eliminate the source of the problem, you eliminate that particular power over you. Look at what I'm saying. I'll give you an example. Look at Matthew 27. Matthew 27. I want you to read verse 50. That's the verse we read for our Bible reading this morning. Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 27. The Bible says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twine from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rock and the rock rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which fell asleep arose. And came out of the grave after his resurrection and went into the city and went to the holy city and appeared unto many. I want you to please pay attention to me here. You will notice that as soon as Jesus Christ died, things began to happen. The Bible tells us that the veil that was separating the holies, that was separating the holy place from the holies of holies, it said that particular veil was torn into two. Then there was earthquake. Then the rocks were, you know, were displayed to two. But I want you to pay attention to verse number 53. The Bible tells us in verse number 53 that the graves were opened and many of the bodies of the saints were released. The graves, you know, and they came out of the grave after his resurrection. So the question is, why did the tomb open? The Bible says Jesus died. As soon as Jesus died, the, 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 the veil was torn, the rocks were splitting, the earthquake was happening, and the grave opened. The question is, why did the tomb open? Let me suggest to you that the tomb opened because sin was defeated. And the sin was defeated when Christ eliminated, you know, when Christ defeated sin on the cross. When Christ paid the price on the cross. The only reason that, they, that death was able to hold people is because of sin. And as soon as you pay the price of sin, what happened? Death no longer has the power to hold the people. So they came out. Simple and straightforward. The same thing in your life. Once you get rid of the problem, once you get rid of that thing that holds you down, that power over that, the power of that thing over your life is broken. That is why the tomb was open. Number two, why was the tomb open? The power, the tomb was open because the power that held the righteous people in the grave was broken when Christ took the sins of the world. 
when Christ took away that particular sin. The authority that grave had to be able to hold the righteous people, that authority was taken away. And what happened? The people had to be left go. It's just like when you say the, 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 the governor of this state decides to sign a governorship or, or a pardon for somebody who's on the death row. Once that pardon is signed and delivered to the world, you can no longer kill that person. You can no longer kill him. It doesn't mean that that person did not commit an offense, but it means that that person has been has been pardoned. Once Jesus paid the price for sin, the tomb no longer had the power to hold. The grave lost its power, so the people had to be released. Number three, the reason the tomb was the reason the dead rose and the tomb was opened was because of the authority that was lost. Satan's authority was lost over the people. The power that he had over the people was lost. And that was why the grave was opened. And that is why your own grave today will be opened. Wherever your potentials have been buried, whatever the blessings of God that has been written concerning your life have been buried, that of your children, that of your husband, your wife, or your family, your promotion and your job, wherever the enemy has buried them this very day, because Jesus rose from the dead, those particular potential will be released in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because they no longer have the power to hold it. They no longer have the power to hold it. Jesus has paid the price. So the question this morning is that how do you connect with that power? It's not hearing about it alone. How do you connect with that particular power that is able to save? How do you connect with that power that is able to set free? Look at John chapter 11. Read from number, verse number 25. Verse number 22, sorry. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks you the question, do you believe this? Because the only way you can connect with this power that raises from the dead is to be able to connect, number one, is to connect with to come to the Almighty God in faith. Because he's the only one that can give you that power. You can come, you must come to him by faith. Number two, you have to believe in the finished work of that particular resurrection and alive. Number three, you have to submit to his will. You do not dictate to God. God dictates to you. Tells you what you want. So you submit to his will. And then you rest on his promises. He said, whoever, he said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You have to believe that if you want to see the power of resurrection. And this is the one thing that can connect you with a power that can, that can never be questioned. The question then is, who is the person who will connect with that power? You've seen how to connect. Who is the person that can connect? Second Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verse number 21. The Bible says, for he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. It is only God that can activate the power of resurrection in your life. But one thing is this. You can position yourself so that God can activate it in your life. You can't do it by yourself. But you have to position yourself so that you can take advantage of what God is able to do. So who is the person that can experience that thing? The person that can experience that particular resurrection power is the one that has been purchased by the blood of God. Who is the person that can experience even the power of the resurrection is the person that has been purified by God himself. Number four, three, the person that can enjoy the resurrection power is the person who is obedient to the will of the Almighty God. That was what my brother was saying here earlier today. It is not enough that you are connected to him. It is not enough that you are attending church. It is not enough that you are shouting glory, hallelujah, and everything is going on well. If you are not obeying the word of God, the resurrection power will be an illusion. 
That will not be your case in Jesus' name. But the man who will enjoy the experience of the power of the resurrection is the person that is obedient to the will of God. And not only that, is the person that walks by faith. It's the person that walks by faith. And the person who acts upon the word of God. When the Lord tells you to jump, you ask how high. You don't begin to debate with him. You don't begin to analyze his word. So now, brothers and sisters, position yourself to experience the power of the almighty God is the way to get it, but it is not easy. I can assure you it's not easy. Because if it were easy, a lot of people would be in the church. If it were easy, a lot of people would be demonstrating that power. If it were easy, there would be no sickness in the church. There would be no lack in the church. Because the power of the Almighty God will be made manifest in the life of His people. But it is not easy. So the question is, why is it so difficult for believers who know the truth to enjoy the power of God? Why? Look at First John chapter Reading from verse number 7 and 15. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things of the world. You say, If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. In other words, it is difficult for people to connect. It is difficult for people to give themselves and to enjoy what God has in store for them. It's because The reason why it is difficult is because of the love of the world. Our sister was telling us about the, uh, during the life class, he said that Corinth was the place where it was happening. Many of us want to enjoy what is going on in the world, I also want to enjoy what is going on in the kingdom. You cannot eat your cake and have it. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.